Divorce is hard, it's painful, and many times a truly isolating event. Growing up in the church, I didn't hear much concerning this topic, so imagine the shame, the fear, and anxiety now having to navigate this space in my life. But here is my now resolve. I am not my divorce. And nothing in my past has the power to stop God from loving me, nor does it diminish my worth. And I hope you come to realize the same. Join me along with some special guests as we walk with transparency through our healing process. Talking about being intentional about healing and wholeness and soul care and self-care and mental health care, which is so important. Nowadays, I wanted to bring someone on that is not a stranger to the mental health field. She is uh, an evangelist in the Church of God in Christ. So she, of course, is going to give us that spiritual aspect that we definitely need. But she also is a registered nurse and her specialty actually is behavioral health. And she has been in this specialty of behavioral health for over 30 years. So she is coming to us with all kinds of great information and a wealth of knowledge. She has her bachelor's of science in nursing from uh, Hampton University, and she actually has an honorary doctorate of divinity from Norfolk Theological Seminary uh, in college. So like I said, she's going to bring to us tonight uh, the spiritual and the natural, because we definitely need both. So I am going to bring her on, and I'm super excited to have my Aunt Erica on tonight. She, like I said, has been in the behavioral health field for 30 years and has such great knowledge about mental health and mental awareness and mental illness and all of those things uh, that go along with that. I wanted to bring her on. As I said in my introduction, she is not divorced. Thank God. She's married to my uncle. Um, But she's going to come to us because I know that she has experience working with individuals who have gone through trauma, who have gone through a divorce before. And so, you know, what she would be able to share with us hopefully will help not just individuals who have gone through a divorce, but also individuals who may be going through a divorce right now, maybe in that uh, divorce process, whether it's separation or actually, you know, after the filing. Um, And also, hopefully she will be able to give some good information for married couples, too, as well, because ultimately, as I have said uh, when doing this so many times before, you know, we're not advocating divorce. We are cheerleaders for love and for marriage. And so if something can be said to help prevent a divorce, definitely that's what we want to happen because we know that marriage is honorable to God. So we are going to get started. You know, when you're talking about mental illness, I mean, you're talking about everything from anxiety disorders to depression 
to the things that we think about when we talk about like schizophrenia or bipolar or multiple personalities or narcissists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I know oftentimes, you know, people kind of joke like, oh, I, I know this person, they're a narcissist. I know this mm-hmm. person, they're bipolar or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. But mental health is a real problem. And it's not just something that is plaguing adults. It's also plaguing teenagers. You know, when we look at, you know, the amount of suicide that is happening, you know, it's research was saying that suicide is the second leading cause, you know, of death among children ages 10 to 14. That's so young um, to, you know, to even be contemplating and having these thoughts that you want to take your own life. But, you know, like I said, I I wanted to definitely touch on this, especially Mm -hmm. as it relates to divorce and people that have gone through and are going through maybe that kind of trauma because it it can be a very traumatic um experience why mm-hmm. would you say you know what what can you lend to the fact that uh, mental health is is important well absolutely as it relates to the family it's very important because of course our family structure is where we get our first stability it's where a lot of the instability that happens in people's lives is birthed from. Um, Maybe they have a family member, a father, a mother, or a loved one in their family who they have been exposed to who may have uh, abused them in some way, or maybe they've been exposed to some dysfunctional behavior in the home. And we can internalize those things. And actually, if we don't know any differently, then we can replicate those things in our future relationships. So mental health is very, very important. I think uh, now more than ever with a lot of uh, high profile individuals talking about their mental health, it's making it uh, more comfortable for people to have a conversation um, because there's been so much stigma um, about saying I actually need some help with my mental wellness. Um, Mm -hmm. Now I think some of that stigma has lifted, um, but our mental health is, 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 to our core, one of the most important things that we can tend to. You know, the Lord speaks about our mind keeping it stayed on Christ. Why is that? Because, you know, in our heart, out of the heart flows the issues of life. And right. if our heart is not at peace, if our mind is not settled, then we are we are unstable or we have the tendency to possibly be unstable. And um, you don't have to be a Christian to endure difficulties and still find ways to find stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I like you brought up a very important point that as a young person, things that we see growing up can yeah. affect us. And sometimes it can affect us in ways that we may not even realize it until it plays out later mm-hmm. on in adulthood. And, you know, a lot of times you may see you know, that first glimpse of it being played out in some sort of relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's a friendship or even, you know, a a romantic relationship. Like I said, what I was reading, it was saying that a lot of times mental illness is not diagnosed or discovered until a person is in their 20s, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times it is ignored 
through right. puberty. It's ignored through when the child is young as, oh, they're just going through changes. Oh, they're just experiencing whatever from middle school or high school. Though the the signs are often ignored. So right. how how would you say or why would you say that um, good mental health is important in a marriage? Let, let's start from that. Okay, I think in marriage, when two people come together, if they're going to have children, of course, for one another, we look for fulfillment in a relationship with someone to help us to find fulfillment. Uh, one of the key uh, factors that a person is not mentally well is that they're not able to maintain satisfying relationships. That mm -hmm. is a key factor that a lot of people don't realize that if they can't seem to get along with anybody or can't stay in a stable relationship. And you talked to, you spoke on narcissist, narcissism and narcissistic personality. There are personality disorders that can often go undiagnosed because they just seem to be difficult people, or they seem to be people that have a challenging personality, or they just seem self-centered. But there's a lot of non-diagnosed mental illness that, that we don't know about because in our community, the Black community especially, people aren't really readily to go to a therapist to go get some help or to go see someone to actually be diagnosed um, for many reasons, because of stigma, because they don't want to label. Um, but in a marriage, I think the closeness of a marriage, the spouse gets to see that person. And you may not understand why a person who may not be mentally well is so toxic to the relationship. And it may not be that they're a bad person. It may be they have, they have issues from childhood. There's uh, adverse childhood experiences that kids have gone through that cause them to carry those things into adulthood. And then they end up connecting with a spouse, getting married and mm -hmm. bringing those unresolved issues into their relationship. So mental wellness is essential to a stable marital, marital relationship um, because marriage by itself is not for the faint at heart. Right, right. <laughs> for those who have maintained healthy marriages and for those who have experienced divorce, it, it, it's work, you know, mm -hmm. and if you're um, not mentally well, it takes resources, mental resources and energy to pour into someone else, to love someone else. And um, one of the things that happens a lot of times when someone is not mentally well, depending on their diagnosis, they may find it difficult to really give what they would like to give to the spouse. So mental wellness is, is really important to the love factor. <laughs> it's really important to it. Well, I was yeah. going to say, no, I was going to say what you just said about diet being diagnosed. And mm -hmm. I, I think sometimes that can pose a lot of difficulty if you mm -hmm. are married to someone who has uh, an undiagnosed mm -hmm. mental illness. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, we, we do, we are very sometimes, you know, flip it and, and can joke about a person being right. very unstable. And I've heard mm -hmm. people say about themselves, like, Oh, I'm a little bipolar. I'm bipolar, oh, right? Or whatever, but it's right. a real thing to be yes. in a relationship with someone who has that level of toxicity and dysfunction 
mm-hmm. and can't see themselves right. and are adverse to people trying to help them right. to say like something's off, you know, right. Part of being mentally unwell, one big thing that I've seen down through the years, even in people who end up inpatient in the hospital is denial. Denial yeah. is real for many reasons. Um, people may know that something isn't quite right. Even a spouse may know that something's not quite right with their spouse. Um, and mental illness is not something that's always static, meaning it's constant. You know, even a person who is psychotic doesn't have to be psychotic for 30 years. You know, right. it can be episodic. It could be based on uh, chemical imbalance. There are, you spoke about children, how kids can actually have a chemical imbalance from birth. And they have symptoms, like you said, that never get diagnosed and then they grow mm-hmm. up and then they become a teenager. Um, in particular, bipolar disorder and schizophrenia oftentimes are diagnosed, like you said, in the 20s. It's right around the time that they graduate from high school and they wow. enter into college or the workforce which is when they're really starting to find themselves and to, to, to you know, establish themselves in the world. And we've seen a lot of individuals, because I dealt with adults 18 to 65, and you see a lot of people who have their first mental break um, at that age. And it's a hard time to be in a situation where you're losing the capacity to manage yourself or to manage your own emotions. And it's hard if you think about it, a lot of people don't think about the level of disability that it causes the person who's experiencing it. And then let alone to be in a marriage with someone while they're experiencing it, because a lot of people do get married young and everything is not a diagnosable mental illness. Let me be clear. You know, we all go through mental challenges in life um, where we may need to get support. It doesn't mean we have a mental diagnosis. Um, right. you know, and, and I think people, I think, are afraid sometimes to get the help they need or to suggest the help to their loved ones because they don't want that label or they don't want to be looked at as disabled or look at as being looked at as flawed. But the the problem with that is that it doesn't get better if you don't get help. Yeah, I was listening to someone this week, a preacher, and she was saying uh, that you can try to run for from a problem, but the problem, you're never going to outrun the problem. Like you have to deal with it and you have to fix it. And I love what you said that you can you can need mental. Let me say it this way. You can need mental support yes. at different times in your life. Yes. And that does not mean that you have a mental illness. Absolutely. And I, and I think that that's where it comes that people feel this stigma and they feel this um, pressure to mm-hmm. perform, this mm-hmm. pressure to be right or this pressure to be whatever. You know, let's bring it to, to an area that we are familiar with in the church, mm-hmm. you know, that people feel... Well, I'm the pastor. I'm the first lady. I'm the I'm the this. You know, I have to be well at all times. I can't have a flaw. (laughs) Right. And I think when you run into those situations, then you become a danger to other people because you have unhealed 
yes. trauma in your life that Absolutely. it does not matter if you don't want to address it. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that it's going to seep out in yeah. all areas and different areas of your life. Like it's not something that you can contain, you know, like, Absolutely. oh, I'm just going to put this thing in this box over mm -hmm. here. And as long as I don't touch it, deal with it, mm -hmm. say anything about it, if I just mm -hmm. preach over it and pray over it, mm -hmm. it's going to like not, it's not going right. to seep in other areas of my life. It's and that's that right. doesn't work. That's, that's not how it works. Right. Those things that are hidden will come to the light. You know, right. they, they eventually do come out. And people live in families where some some of this dysfunction does go on and they live one way at home and they live one way in the public. And people are suffering because there's also pride where yeah. people are well enough to know they don't want to be looked at as someone who needs help. And the reality is we need to be able to say to the world that it's okay to need help, yeah. you know, because all of us need help. All of us right. need some kind of help. If you have a business and you're trying to run it and you don't know what you're doing, you need help. So right. trying to run that business without the help means you're not going to have an effective business. So in a marriage, if you're not mentally well, and that's starting to affect and impact your relationship, if you love your spouse, if you care about your marriage, then you want to take the steps that are necessary to figure out what is impacting this marriage in a negative way so that you can work together on improving that. And that doesn't mean it's going to be a pointing fingers that you're the problem because you're the one who's not stable or well and you're falling apart. It's, it's in a marriage, it's a unity. And that's what those vows are about. You know, right. is that you will work together. But if, if the other person doesn't wish to, if the other person is not vested in doing what is truly necessary to save the marriage, they talk like they want to save the marriage, but they don't take the necessary steps. It can destroy the foundation of the marriage and make it very difficult. Um, I will say this. Um, in recent years, it's been more accepted now. Women, a lot of marriages have ended because after women have their children, um, yes. some women end up with the chemical imbalance that causes them to go into postpartum depression. And mm -hmm. in the process of postpartum depression, some women can experience psychosis where they actually hear, can hear voices because there's a chemical imbalance that's happening with the letdown of those hormones after pregnancy. Everyone doesn't experience this, but we've all heard of women who put their kids in the microwave and ran mm -hmm. their children off a cliff and, and people didn't understand it. But most of the time, that was a woman who had a newborn mm -hmm. and undiagnosed postpartum depression that right. if you see a person who's, you know, for two weeks or more, they're just not taking care of themselves. They're starting to neglect their appearance. They're starting to withdraw. You know, they're not functioning optimally. You know, those are some of the signs that you look for when someone is not doing well, you know, mm -hmm. and there's a whole lot of a plethora of signs and symptoms. I'm definitely not a physician. I'm an RN, but there's so many different um, ways to see if a person is not um, themselves, you know, that something isn't right. And to notice those things and to be comfortable um, with 
talking to the person. And a lot of times when people are, when you're addressing things with someone that's uncomfortable, most of the time we'll leave it alone because we're fearful of being attacked or we're right. fearful of them just dismissing it. And then they feel attacked by us because maybe the way we approach them, you know, because sometimes the other person, especially if you're talking about in a marriage situation, yes. sometimes the other person can be become very defensive, very defensive and then say, right. I'm not the problem. You're the problem. Right. Nothing's wrong with me. Right. <laughs> right. Way of deflecting that it's, mm -hmm. it's not me, it's you. You right. Know, and, and so it, I think it's really important if you are dealing with someone who does um, develop symptoms of a mental being mentally unwell, that the approach is a non-judgmental approach. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. Um, priority is because, like you said, young people are, are completing suicide. There's adults that are completing suicide. You know, the marriage uh in marriages, a lot of times they'll do a, a, a suicide, a homicide and a suicide, yeah. you know, and it's because of sometimes mental, they're mentally unwell and they never got any help with that. And those danger signs are important to not ignore. You know, if a person is starting to post messages that they're not well, they don't want to live, they're tired of this, or they're, you know, they're venting. A lot of times people will ridicule people on social media and, and, and be like, you know, get over yourself or come on, man, life is, or just throw a few scriptures at them. But those are cries for help. That when a person right. is really potentially going to become dangerous to themselves or others, we usually see some kind of sign of that. And in a marriage, usually the first person to see it is going to be the spouse and the children, right. you know, yeah. and it can be very, very volatile. It can be very dangerous. It could be potentially unsafe if the person doesn't get help, you know, and only the person in the marriage can make a decision about whether they are going to maintain that type of a life with someone who is not taking care of themselves and not taking care of the marriage, you know, and, and, you know, when you love one another, you want to try to do the things that are going to help build the marriage. There's there's a scripture, you know, you said it. I'm, a, you know, I got to go to the word. I'm going to read it because I got to read it because I have a little comparison here. But when we talk about marriage, we talk about what love is and, and love, you know, in it's first Corinthians 13, four through eight. And I would I would like for your uh, viewers to take a look at that scripture in comparison of the NIV and the King James version. I'm going to read it, but it said love is patient. Love suffers long. And a lot of times people endure, endure, endure to the point where they now become mentally unwell. Right. That's not a safe situation. That's not a wise situation. Um, and I would say one of the things I was going to talk about is self-care. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, because I know you're going to ask me. <laughs> but um, but you, you have to be able to understand that even in the process of suffering long, you have to have some wisdom, too, because if it's making you unwell, then that's not going to help your home yeah. situation at all. Um, love is kind. Mm -hmm. If someone is being abusive, that's not kindness. If right. someone is being... Uh, inattentive to you and nonchalant or very self-absorbed that's that's not kindness love does not envy or boast it's not prideful it's not all about itself it's not arrogant or rude and the king james says it vaunt is not itself and it's not puffed up it doesn't insist on having its own way 
And that goes back to some of the personality disorders where the person really is so self-absorbed. Everything is someone else's fault. And right. when you're in a situation- That victim, that victim mentality. We call, yes. we call it victim mentality. Victim mentality. You're always, if you're always the scapegoat, every time something happens, that is an abusive situation where you, you can do nothing right. And that person is always bringing you down to help themselves to feel bigger or better. That's not love. That's puffed up. That's vaunting itself. And that, and, and, and that's a, a self-centered way of being. Now, God can deliver us from anything that, right. that we know. But you also have to be able to be realistic about what's going on and identify what's happening and call it what it is. Mm -hmm. um, it says that love is not easily provoked, meaning not quick to anger, not irritable or resentful. And we know in a lot of marriages and we won't look at that as being mentally, mentally ill, but it's not mentally healthy. Right. It's not building the marriage to be angry all the time and, uh, unless you get in your way. You know, that's not mentally healthy. And if if you if you have someone in your life that's that way, you know, they have to come to the realization because the more you try to show people, sometimes you will become the person that gets attacked. Mm -hmm. You know, you become the 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 um, butt of that, you know, mm -hmm. and they don't actually um, if they're not ready. That's just like a person who has substance use disorder. If they're not ready to get help, you can't make them do it. Right. All you can do is be non-judgmental in your approach, um, caring in saying, I'm concerned about you. Mm -hmm. I notice that you're doing this or you're doing that. This is different. You know, I'm worried and I'm concerned about you. The approach is really important because a lot mm -hmm. of times in our frustration, we'll just go, we attack. <laughs> We're going to be like, look, you, you, this, that, the third. And that's not going to make it better. Go ahead, Nikia. What I, I love what you what you're saying, and it's kind of right in the vein, you know, that I was going to talk about. About sometimes, you know, we're, we're starting out talking about a marriage, mm -hmm. but you know, when I was doing the reading, it was talking about, you know, when we talk about divorce, we always talk about things like infidelity and the financial issues, but mm -hmm. there are many times where a marriage dissolves because there is a person there who I love what you just said who is mentally unwell okay yes. we're not going to say they have a mental illness they are mm -hmm. mentally unwell and their mm -hmm. actions are abusive yes. and you know me we're going to come back and talk about this on another show but abuse mm -hmm. is not just physical you know Absolutely. you can abuse someone verbally you can Absolutely. abuse someone sexually you can abuse mm -hmm. someone mentally and mm -hmm. i do not believe that god wants us to stay in any of those situations where we are being abused when i was mm -hmm. you know doing research and it was talking about how you know a lot of divorces do in you know due to mental illness it was saying that a lot of mental illness can go and be left untreated Mm -hmm. And so when it's untreated, then mm -hmm. it begins to get worse. Mm -hmm. And so then you that's when you start seeing those mood swings, which then mm -hmm. turns to violent behavior. Mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. you're not physically touching someone, but you're putting holes in the wall. You're mm -hmm. kicking the furniture. You're kicking the mm -hmm. door. I mean, your your mouth, you know, mm -hmm. your verbal abusive, you know, with your mouth and, you know, 
as time goes on, then there's, you know, the social withdrawal, there's isolation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that it can be, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe leading to drug mm -hmm. abuse, something because mm -hmm. they're trying to mask it or cope mm -hmm. with it. So Self-medicating. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love yeah. what you said that, you know, a person can be mentally unwell mm -hmm. and because they're mentally unwell, then the family takes mm -hmm. the brunt of that because mm -hmm. people on the outside, and, I, and I've talked about this in, in, in other episodes that, you know, people on the outside, you really don't know what's going on in a home between two right. people. Yes, right. that may be your son. Yes, that may be your niece. Yes, that's your cousin. And people know how to become chameleons, right? Mm -hmm. They Absolutely. they are just on the line of unstable that they act one way with one person, but then they act other ways with other people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people can flirt with that and then it makes, then you have turned into, you know, things like gaslighting and manipulation. Mm -hmm. We're going to come back, i bring you back to talk about, you know, <laughs> abuse and, and what happens mm -hmm. with abuse but mm -hmm. a lot of times you do see that where yeah. if it is not treated then things become worse and then they escalate and mm -hmm. that becomes a dangerous mm -hmm. situation for, mm -hmm. for the individuals living in the, the household yeah and i have definitely seen where people have had success um, because they did get help they did get treatment. They did get counseling. They, um, the, the spouse was supportive. One of the most difficult things for someone who is suffering with mental illness or someone who's mentally unwell is that they don't have a stable home foundation. They don't have the support in their home to actually help them to be able to cross through the difficulties that it's going to require for them to actually face what they're dealing with, to actually head on say, okay, I can accept that I'm not doing well and I can accept that I need some help. There's hope there when yeah. someone's willing to accept that they need help and then they have a supportive family foundation. Because a lot of individuals who are not mentally well don't have family support that starts mm -hmm. from their home where they were reared. And then mm -hmm. some of that just comes into, you know, they can be a great person with a great personality, but they're not mentally well in an area. Maybe sometimes it could be because of abuse they've suffered. Sometimes it could be because of a, 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 a chemical imbalance. Sometimes it can be just that they have, you know, used substances that have affected their brain and they're right. just not, not the same, you know, and, and they're easily angered or volatile and, and yeah. um, short tempered um and it can be very I, difficult Go ahead. i would imagine and you can correct me if i'm wrong i would mm -hmm. imagine that it could be even more difficult if it's a generational thing and if there are several members of your family that are the same way then mm -hmm. in my experience then it, it kind of becomes a norm and right. so then right. it's like no something's wrong with you because we all act like this so right. you're the, uh, you know, and you see that right. even with friendships, like, you Absolutely. know, having friends where maybe you're raised differently and, mm -hmm. you know, you're like, 
that's not kind of appropriate, but right. because everyone in their home or that friend group acts that way and maybe right. you're the odd person out, then it becomes, no, we're not dysfunctional no more. You are right. because this there's, is how- there's definitely some truth to that. The way that we're socialized uh, to what we accept. You know, the way that we're socialized, meaning the way that we're raised, the way what, how our surroundings, what we've been exposed to, it definitely has a uh, it lends to what we look at as normal or what we look at as appropriate. And a lot of times um, and I know we're not just talking about abuse here, but abuse in for certain um, is replicated a lot of times. And sometimes it is not. There are times when the person who has seen abuse refuses to be an abuser but right. there's also the dynamic where someone who's been abused or seen abuse themselves ends up replicating that in their own relationships even if they don't want to because it's all they know it's what yeah. they've been exposed to i had a, a a patient that i can't share any detail about but um this individual would beat people up she would beat people up and she was hospitalized because she couldn't interact socially without flying off the handle with people. And when I spoke to her to find out after years of not being able to get released back into society, you know, what did she feel was the reason that she did that? And she stopped for a minute because I didn't say, you know, why are you doing that? You know, because why is a bad word. If you're dealing with someone who has mental um, issues, don't ask them, why are you doing that? Why are you acting like that? That is a, a immediate way for a person to get on the defensive where they feel like they have to explain themselves to you. They're already mm -hmm. dealing with their internal emotional stuff. So I asked her, you know, what did she think contributed to that? And she said, that's how I grew up. She was able to deduct that. And that was a starting point to healing for her. So I think what you're saying is really important is people really need to be able to look at if what they're doing is not healthy, if it is not lending to a strong family relationships or, or um, um, uh, marital relationships or even in dating relationships, you know, uh, or friendships for that matter, um, if it always seems like you can't, you know, manage to have healthy relationships with people and you always seem to be able to find something wrong with everybody else. Sometimes we have to look at the common denominator that might be us. Mm. And what is it that we're bringing to the table that may be contributing to the, the excuse me, the demise of the relationship. Um, and yeah. I think always acceptance and be, be, beginning to recognize patterns, beginning to recognize where we're not always, you know, contributing in a positive way to the situation is really, really important. I think acceptance is a big area that we deal with in the mental health field that um, uh, helps individuals to actually follow through with treatment. It helps them to follow through with therapy. It helps them to follow through with all of the steps that will help them to actually mend broken relationships and their own mental wellness. Um, but if you're in denial and you're not accepting it, it's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be right. difficult. Yeah. I love that we've, you know, we've talked a little bit about what it looks like in the marriage setting. So I want to kind of flip to, you know, you've gone through this divorce for whatever reason. Let's mm -hmm. just say it's not because of mental illness. Maybe there was infidelity. Maybe mm -hmm. there was some sort of abuse or whatever the reason is. And mm -hmm. you find yourself in divorce. 
you know, what things can we do to promote um, mm -hmm. mental health after divorce? I mean, okay. you know, there have been many times that, you know, I, I've shared that going through a divorce, you know, we hear this, we've heard this, that it is like a death and there are a plethora of emotions that comes Absolutely. from anger to bitterness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's relief because <laughs> mm -hmm. you're glad out of whatever toxic Absolutely. situation it was in. You know, everybody's yeah. divorce story is different. Absolutely. But I think coming through and going through the situation, ultimately you want uh, good and solid uh, mental wellness. I Absolutely. love that. Feel that yes, um, yes. You want to have uh, mental wellness and coming on the other side of something that can be very traumatic. That can mm -hmm. be um, because there, there, you know, a lot of things that come in a divorce. You know, there's the separation. You know, mm -hmm. there's loss of friendships. There's loss of connections. There's, you know, sometimes there's fighting. I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. is there's a lot of things which can weigh on a person um, mm -hmm. and weigh on their mind. And so mm -hmm. I love what you said all the way in the beginning when you talked about that having good mental wellness does not indicate that you have a mental illness. And I think mm -hmm. that that is very important for people to understand and to get that mm -hmm. you can go through things in your life mm -hmm. that have been very traumatic yeah. Or you, it could just be a lot for you yeah. to manage or to process, mm -hmm. and you do need extra help. You do need extra depth. Um, just speaking personally, because I don't care, and I, you know, I'll say talk about me because I know me better mm -hmm. than anybody. You mm -hmm. know, you were very instrumental in my life in pointing out to me. I think there's some depression mm -hmm. going on. And mm -hmm. you didn't say it in a way that was condemning or mm -hmm. made me feel negative, but mm -hmm. it was almost like a aha moment of this is why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Yeah. This is what this is what's going on in this particular period mm -hmm. in my life. And yes. going through though, going through and, and you know, reminiscing and thinking about times past, there were a lot of things that had happened in my life mm -hmm. up until that point. Things that happened in my marriage, mm -hmm. losing my mom, you know, mm -hmm. having a child that you almost died. Yeah. Was, you know, there were just this and this and this mm -hmm. and this and this and this, mm -hmm. and this and this. And I thought that I was handling it. Right. Because as women, that's what we do, right? Yes. We handle everything. We handle all kinds of situations. And it was, thankfully, you were able to see naturally, mm -hmm. okay, something's off with my niece. You are mm -hmm. not acting like mm -hmm. who I know you to be. That's right. And being able to be a person that was able to listen to me and say, yes. I really think there's, you have depression, you know? Mm -hmm. And so at that point, when I was able to come to terms with that and be able to identify what was going on, then I was able to seek help. Exactly. But also believe that a person has to want help and they have to want to get better 
and they can't be offended when someone says to them, the way you're acting is not appropriate. Not appropriate, but you don't seem well. Right. You know? And mm-hmm. so I let me help you or let's mm-hmm. figure out what we can do to get you to be well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are what are some ways that you feel like um, are good ways to promote healthy mental health after divorce? Okay, I'll say this um, for those who may be dealing with individuals in their lives that you're noticing the changes in your loved ones who may be in an unhealthy relationship, be it a marriage or not. Um, one thing like what um, Nikia shared is that you definitely want to, with grace, talk to the person about what you notice that's different. You know, I notice that you're doing this, you know, I notice that this is happening or if it's a physical change, you know, you know, talk to me about what it is that, you know, you're doing um, to take care of yourself. And a lot of times we can acknowledge that we're so busy taking care of everybody else. We're not taking care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not uncommon, regardless of whether you're having mental health challenges or not. That's just like you said, being a woman, we have a tendency to take care of everyone. We're nurturers. Um, So I think one of the main things for someone who may be recovering from the trauma of a divorce, because it is a trauma, it is a loss. Um, it is something to be grieved or something to rejoice about, depending on what, what happens as a result of it. Um, because if you've been in bondage for years and years and years and you've been suffering in your marriage um, and, you know, God releases you from that marriage and that could be the deliverance you needed to finally get your life back. You know, right. every marriage is not ordained by God. Hello, mm-hmm. somebody. Because, you know, a lot of people will bind you up and say, you got to be married forever and ever and take whatever comes. And many women have been at the end of a bullet who stayed and stayed and stayed in a very volatile and unsafe situation. And many men, let's not talk about just the women, the men have been in danger because of either a person who just was an abusive person or someone who was not mentally well. If a person becomes mentally unwell to the point where they're psychotic, they could potentially be a danger to others, but not always. A lot of people think people who um, have schizophrenia or psychosis are just dangerous people. You know, those are the people that we look at in the movies that everyone sensationalizes and say, oh, they're crazy, you know, but the reality is, you know, anyone who gets to a breaking point has the potential to be unsafe, unsafe to themselves or unsafe to others. And even when you're recovering from, a divorce, because it's such a loss, you could find yourself becoming depressed. You could mm-hmm. find yourself experiencing anxiety because of all of the new changes in your life now that you have to face as a single person, that you, um, some of the stability that your marriage did provide is now gone. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's very important to do self-care. Um, mm-hmm. I want to encourage your um, viewers to Google Um, what's called the self-care wheel. Mm -hmm. The self-care wheel looks at um, different areas in our lives and like psychological, you know, um, financial, the different areas of self-care, things that we can do for ourselves that actually ministers to us. 
Um, so I want you to look up the self-care wheel and you don't have to be going through divorce or any mental challenges to benefit from this. Um, with the self-care wheel, it gives lots of different suggestions of things that you can do to, to take care of yourself that will benefit you. Um, mental wellness is everyone's uh, is important to everyone. It's something everyone needs. Um, what I will say is that with the self-care wheel, you can actually create your own self-care wheel and write into the spaces, the things that you do that help you to be mentally well. Um, right. that, that's beyond needing a therapist or that's something anybody can do because a lot of times we don't tend to ourselves. Um, like some, some person, you know, self-care is just going to get a mani-pedi, you know, and that just lifts their day and makes them feel good about themselves. But another person may just want to go outside and be on the waterfront and just listen to the wind. And that does something for them mentally. It increases their endorphins. Endorphins are the feel-good hormones that we have, that we should always be doing things that help increase those hormones. Because if we're always being battered and down and, and we're downing ourselves and we're 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 not allowing the the natural uh chemical makeup in our body to be healing for us. Um, mm -hmm. Definitely someone to talk to. Mm. You cannot do this by yourself. Yeah. That's the problem. We oftentimes, because of many reasons, shame, you know, we, won't, we don't want to hear the I told you so's from all the people that told us we should have got out 10 years ago, you know, all <laughs> of that. But finding someone that you can actually talk to who will listen. Um, those of you who will listen, understand that everyone who comes to you to talk does not always want your advice. Right. They just need to vent. They need to get it off their chest so that they can actually start to clear their head and think. You know, so sometimes they answer their own question when they vent. <laughs> so they don't really need you to give them the answers. They just need to get all of this con con confusion out of their mind and out into the atmosphere so that they can process better. So uh, finding- I wanna stop, stop you right there. You know, I was gonna stop you right there because, you know, I think it's so, 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 so important to talk about having safe spaces yes. to be able to vent, to release, to get all those things out. I am mm -hmm. definitely an advocate of therapy. I've yeah. been to therapy many times in my life because I've had things in my life where mm -hmm. I needed a therapist. You got a process. Right. Mm -hmm. And I need, and that's really what it is. I needed yeah. an unbiased person yeah. to help me process somebody that didn't know me, didn't care about my family, none of that yeah. kind of stuff. Someone to give me an unbiased um, a perspective. Mm -hmm. And someone that would be able to challenge me too as yeah. well. See, I think mm -hmm. there have been times in divorce before it gets to divorce, maybe in a marriage. A lot of times people go to people who will side with them. Correct. And that does not help. You know, mm -hmm. if you're in a situation <laughs> where you're, you've contemplated getting a divorce because things mm -hmm. aren't working out, you know, you have to go to the right person to safe. Uh, safe spaces. And I think yes. that that is important Very. to really have discernment about who would be safe enough. Because Correct. when you're going through 
these difficult and traumatic experiences, especially if we're talking about a divorce, mm -hmm. you know, you are unburdening private things. Yes. And I have experiences. Nothing is worse than going to someone who you thought mm. was a safe space who yeah. turned out just to want to hear your business, to talk mm -hmm. about it around their dinner table. Exactly. Or you think that this person is, you know, a close confidant or whatever the case may be, just only to hear what you've told them Mm -hmm. to other people that you're sure I didn't tell you that. So how would you know that? I only told one person that. Exactly. So, so Nakia, very important what you're saying, which is why appropriate professional help is important. Yes. We will go to the doctor for a medical issue in a minute. You know, if we're worried about something. We'll go get, we'll go see a doctor for a physical issue. Our mental health is equally as important as our physical health. And actually our mental health dictates yes. a lot of our physical health. And that's what people forget. They don't realize you can mentally be not well to the point where you become physically sick, just yes. like they talk about cancer. You know, the um, cancer uh, free radicals are, are like fed on stress. <laughs> you know, stress actually it increases a person's risk for cancer. So it's looking at the fact that mental wellness really is, it should be our priority. And if we feel that we're not doing well mentally, that appropriate professional help is the best way to go. One reason being is that they have to abide by confidentiality. Mm -hmm. They cannot share your information with your family unless you sign off that they can share it with someone in your family. So your confidentiality is there. It's an unbiased person who, first of all, has been professionally trained right. to address the matters that you're experiencing and, and to help you process. One thing about a good therapist is they're not an advisor. They're not going to give you advice. They're going to help guide you to your solution for your situation. Correct. They're going to guide you. You know, they don't sit up there and tell you, well, this is what you need to do. They'll help you process so mm -hmm. that you can come to an understanding because what really helps a person to accept what happens is when they can come to the understanding for themselves. And right. a, a skilled therapist has the capacity to help you to also accept responsibility where responsibility is on you. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times we'll go to marriage counseling and stuff because we want to fix them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when, who needs to be fixed? Sometimes right. us, you know, we both, you know, may need to be fixed. You know, there's things that we can all do to improve. So definitely a, a licensed therapist. There are all types of therapists. There's coaches. There's uh, uh, clinical psychologists. There's, um, you know, um, psychiatrists. Mm -hmm. um, different people that are trained to actually help people with their mental health and mental wellness. Um, so a counselor is good. A therapist is a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm really happy, you know, that we are more inclined to actually get that kind of help. And yes. most people who get mental health counseling end up being the people that help others mm -hmm. because they've improved because of what they've been through. They've gotten the tools. Most people don't do well because they don't have the tools. And like yeah. you said, they may have been socialized a certain way and they don't have any other way of coping. They don't have the tools to address things in a healthy way. Um, yeah. So 
in therapy, you can learn the tools. They're called yes. coping skills, yes. appropriate coping skills to deal with um, difficult challenges because we all have them. And a lot of times people don't do well because they don't have the coping skills to deal with difficulties that may come. So yeah. I want to say this. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to your clergy. Um, yes. But I will say the church, and I'm sure this is a, something you bring up, but in the church, especially, we don't have a tendency to look at training ourselves to be able to counsel in these deep areas. So I, I would like to say that I think it's important for people who in cler clergymen, pastors, you know, people who do um, care pastors who take care of the different people in the church um, and may talk to them about things. If you find that you are at the extremity of what you can do to help that person, know your limitations. Right. Know your limitations. You don't have to be the solution, um, but you should be able to direct that person to the solution. Um, yes. A lot of times we feel like we should be the one to be able to help get them through, you know, and prayer support is important. There's uh, yes. deliverances that can come that don't negate the need for therapy that and, yes. and we know that because we you know, we we are people who believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but yes. there are times when you got some deep stuff that you just got to get processed. You got to process. Yes. And that's not always a place for the, the pastor study. Um, yes. So I, I encourage people who are in um, ministry to, again, know your limitations and have individuals or, 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 or places that you can refer your parishioners to so that they can get the help that they need. Because I think a lot of times if we that are in the body of Christ would support and encourage this, there are Christian counselors. So yes. you don't have to go to a secular counselor. You can go to someone who's a believer, you know, who won't ridicule you or say you're being super spiritual because you pray and believe God for saving your marriage or for, you know, not condemning you because you got a divorce or whatever the case may be. Right. It's really important that you have someone who can actually help the person to process appropriately. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's my encouragement, especially for yeah. the church, you know, to really... It goes back to what we were saying about safe spaces and appropriate yes. um, places. You know, you may be someone who says like, well, hey, I can't afford a therapist, mm -hmm. but, you know, not. And I've learned this. Not everyone is equipped right. to speak to what situations you may be going through and sure. not everyone Sometimes people have, they're speaking to you out of their own perspective and maybe mm -hmm. things that they have endured in their life, but mm -hmm. that may not be the advice mm -hmm. that you need. And I think, you know, especially in the church, you know, we go to people because we believe mm -hmm. that, oh, this is such and such, mm -hmm. whoever such and such is, right. they'll be able to help me through this mm -hmm. situation. They may not be the best right. person. There may be limitations to, yes, on that help. Right. And what is supposed to be good for you in your life, maybe mm -hmm. that person does not have, with all well intentions, Absolutely. maybe that person is not able you know, to speak to where you are and what you need to do. You kind of answered my question uh, before I was going to ask, okay. and that is, what can the church do to support, you know, 
and again, tonight we are talking about not so much mental illness because, mm -hmm. but that is a real thing and, that, mm -hmm. and, and you definitely need help for that. But mm -hmm. just this idea that we all need to have mental health support, <laughs> mental wellness, like, yeah. you know, there's self-care. We need to have soul care. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you said it very perfectly that a lot of what is happening to us in relationships, what is happening to us in our bodies, the sicknesses mm -hmm. that we carry, mm -hmm. the uh, issues that we are having in relationships is because of what is happening here yeah. and here, you know, yeah. in our soul. And the, and the Bible speaks to that saying, I wish above all things, yeah. above everything else yeah. that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your what? Oh. So prosper. Those things are all connected. There's no way you're going to have one without the other thing. And I don't care how much you try to super spiritualize it. And, mm -hmm. you know, we go through all these emotional things. You have to get to the root of the issue because there are things that may have happened in childhood that mm -hmm. have been repressed or suppressed. Yes. Yeah. There have been things that, and you're wondering why, you know, you may be saying like, why am I acting like this? Or why mm -hmm. am I responding? That was something I wanted to talk about, you know, we're kind of mm -hmm. running out of time, but dealing with those triggers. Yes. You know, that's a new jargon now. Everybody's mm -hmm. talking about being triggered. I'm triggered. Right. I'm you know, but it's a clinical term that everyone's now adopting. Yeah, but it <laughs> right. is a real thing. And, mm -hmm. and sometimes you being triggered by something yeah. is a clear indication that there's an unresolved issue in yes. some other area of your life. Right, right. And that's why it's so uh, uh, important to have safe spaces. That's why yeah. it's important to have those friendships. That's mm -hmm. why it's important to have people in your life that are able to speak to and can say to you, mm -hmm. some, you need to take another look at this situation. Right. Something is not, you know, mm -hmm. as it should be. And, yeah. and you can say that sometimes we can say those things. People have to be ready and willing to receive that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes that does take time, but what would you say, you know, if we're talking about from a, from a church standpoint, you know, I said it in one of my previous, um, chats that, you know, divorce, especially is such a stigma still mm -hmm. to this day, mm -hmm. you know, in the church, there's a lot of, um, condemnation of a lot of judgment from people mm -hmm. about people that have gone through divorce, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's sad that we see that same type of attitude as it mm -hmm. relates to getting mental wellness help. Right. You know, there are people that believe you're not praying hard enough. You know, right. you're not. How are you a Christian and you're depressed? You know, we, we've heard mm -hmm. all of those type of things. And right. While, as you said before, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in prayer, Absolutely. but I also believe you need a prayer closet and a good couch, you know, mm -hmm. because sometimes there are things that need to be worked out, talked through in mm -hmm. addition, alongside you praying mm -hmm. and, and reading your word and doing all those things. So, 
you know, what yeah. would you say, you know, as body of believers, as a church, or just society in general? You know, mm -hmm. you can talk about all of those things. I what, think, what do we what, do to be I think the thing we need to be able to do is acknowledge that we can be mentally unwell mm -hmm. first, and that that's an area that we do not necessarily minister to. Um, we want to, we, we do pray and we, I've, I've actually prayed and spirit of depression lifted off of somebody. So it can happen. We can yes. do that, but there's also a root cause to why that person ended up in that situation that mm -hmm. oftentimes does not get addressed. Right. And I think it would be important for us to finally be okay with let's talk about it. And I think maybe we avoid it because we're not experts in it. I'm not an expert, even though I've been in behavioral health for 30 years, because I didn't go forward in psychiatry, you know, mm -hmm. but I know enough to know that if someone needs help, I can see the signs that may be going on and that I could probably do something. Care is one of the most important things. And yes. I think in the church, we have to care. We have to care that someone may not be mentally well rather than to ridicule them or talk about them acting strange or they acting different, they acting weird, they being real defensive or whatever. When we see changes in people, changes are happening for a reason. And right. so coming from a place of care and concern, which is what we're supposed to do as Christians anyway, mm -hmm. I think um, also in the church, it's important to have uh forums for talking about things of this nature, being able to talk about mental wellness, talk about what are we doing to take care of ourselves? Um, what do we do when we are encountering people who are not well? How can we support them? Um, there is a course that I actually teach. I'm certified as a mental health first aid instructor. Um, and find a mental health first aid course or have bring a mental health first aid course to your church where right. um, it's a course built for lay people to teach lay people how to identify when someone is in mental health distress, to know mm -hmm. how to approach them in an appropriate way so that you can actually help the person to want to get help, to identify mm -hmm. that they need help. Um, so that's one important thing. We do first aid, but we don't think about doing mental health first aid. But again, our mental wellness is so important. Um, educational events, things of that nature, just educating ourselves uh, about what we can do to support people. Because I think in every church, we all have had people who we know had a diagnosable mental illness. Right. Right. And yeah. and and when it's a, a good loving church, you've loved on them and treat them like everyone else. But there's also too the stigma. You know, mm -hmm. if you have right. a person walking down the street who's not mentally well, people have a tendency to avoid those individuals when those people need Christ too. Those people mm -hmm. need, you know, salvation. And I think um, one thing that I want to share uh, that's important that I, uh, a lot of people may not know is there is a line where a person really needs to get mental health treatment and if they're showing these signs then they absolutely need to be encouraged to get help and sometimes they have to get help um when they don't want help against their will and that is when a person is a danger to themselves or others mm. they're unable to care for themselves or um oh my goodness danger to self or others and unable to care for themselves. <laughs> those, those are the things. And um, 
I think it's really important to realize that, you know, a lot of times a person can be very unsafe. And instead of ignoring that, you have people that you may go to church with or in a relationship with. And when they get to the point where they're dangerous to themselves or others, or they're not taking care of themselves like they used to, those are some big signs that that some further action needs to be taken. Um, right. And you can actually, um, they there's also a... Um, crisis line that I wanted to give you all. And it's now like 911, it's 988. 988 okay. is the crisis line that people can call when they're in a mental health crisis, if they need help, or if you wanna help somebody and you don't know what to do, you can right. call 988 and they can give you some advisement because there's sometimes a, a line where it can become dangerous when a person's not well, mentally right. well, where they can right. become um, unsafe. but mental health is like you said and i want to come back to what you said which which is why it's so important for the church to take a lead in ministering to these areas mental health is people who have eating disorders mm. people who are recovering from substance abuse or have substance use disorders individuals who deal with levels of anxiety and depression you don't have to have a diagnosis of anxiety disorder to manage anxiety and deal right. with anxiety um, so I think it's important to find uh, coping skills, things that actually help to relieve those symptoms that are um, that are, you know, challenging to the individual and and be OK with looking for those things that will actually help you to be more stable, more yes. stable and feel more centered. Um, definitely church. The scriptures, honey, have been my help because I have been functionally depressed myself. Yes. You know, as a mental health, as a caregiver, as a mother, as a wife, with all yes. that happens to us, we can be depressed and, and keep on walking and keep That's on right. and keep on smiling. Anybody that knows me, I've been smiling through depression and you didn't even know it because right. I have coping skills. But if I got to the point where I was unable to cope, unable to manage, then I would need to go get some help from somebody. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it, it needs to be OK. Yes. Well, I love that. That's such a good place to wrap up to say that it's okay. It's okay. You know, it's okay to say, you know what? I'm not feeling my best mentally. Mm -hmm. I yeah. need someone to help me process this. Maybe mm -hmm. there has, maybe you've been fine for 40 years. Maybe you've been mm -hmm. fine for 50 years. Maybe you've been fine for 60 years. Maybe mm -hmm. you've been fine for 70 years and maybe mm -hmm different things have come up and your response or your reaction mm -hmm. is a clear indication that something is not, there's something unresolved, right? you know, that I need mm -hmm. to either speak to someone about, or I need to take time because I also believe that that's an important part of self-care. You yes. know, I have been in therapy many times, you know, mm -hmm. started, completed, you know, and mm -hmm. I was fine got back because as a mother not only do i want to be the best person for myself i also want to be the best person for my children too yes myself. yes yes so it has the impact that uh commitment to mm -hmm. being the best version of yourself mm -hmm. is not also just for you but it can be impactful to yes. other people that are around you because no one wants to be around someone who is toxic. No yeah. one wants to be
be around someone who's dysfunctional. No one who wants to be around someone who's angry all the time, who is a very short temper. Like Mm -hmm. no one wants to be around someone like that. So the best Mm -hmm. thing that you can do for Mm -hmm. not just yourself, but others that love you is Mm -hmm. to get help. So I want you to just close us out any way you see fit, Mm -hmm. any lasting Mm -hmm. thoughts Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. you want to share, however you want to close us out. Okay. Thank you, Kia. I really appreciate you having me today. Um, I hope that something I have said has been an encouragement to someone or giving you the reassurance that it's okay. You know, if it, it, and, and I love that, that that's the way we're ending it, that it's okay to get help. It's okay to say I'm not okay. And then once you recognize and acknowledge you're not okay, what are your next steps? What are you going right. to do that you can actually seek out appropriate professional help or just a listening ear of someone, a non-biased who will actually hear you out and maybe help you to make a better decision because sometimes we're not sure what to do in those circumstances. I do want to say this, that once you do get what you need, you want to continue to move forward and, and absolutely keep Christ as the center of it all because The word says he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Your mind is stayed on Christ. A lot of times all these things that are happening to us are distractions Mm -hmm. to get our focus off of Christ. And that lends to mental unwellness. And I, I know people who have been in mental health treatment. They are Christian and they they had issues that needed to be dealt with and they got help with those issues and their Faith is what helped them to be able to recover, you know, because they had real issues and some had true chemical imbalances that needed to be treated with medication. And that's okay too. It's, it's better to find out what the reason is, what's behind this, just like any medical condition, you want an MRI so you can find out what's causing that pain. You don't want to just keep ignoring the pain and be in denial about it when you can actually have a solution. There are solutions to mental unwellness and mental illness. Um, I want to share this scripture is Galatians 5 and 1. And it says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Um, The enemy wants to keep us bound with mental illness and mental distress and mental turmoil. But in Christ, we can find liberty. And God also gives us the wisdom you know, to seek out the professional help that's needed for the areas in our life where we need help. So I want to just encourage you all today that if you're dealing with something that's bigger than you and you're mentally overwhelmed and you don't feel like you can handle or manage it, don't ignore it. You don't have to be under a cloud of weight and heaviness. Seek out some help. Seek out someone who can actually assist you uh, and help get you through that. Um, You know, I'm sure... You know, you can probably, if you know us, you can contact me or Nakia, a listening ear. One thing I I can say is I've carried many, many people's secrets that will go to the grave with me because it's no one's business, right? Right. But that's a gift that God has given me, you know, to be able to hear and to process and to help people through what they're going through. Um, And there are people who are trained to do that, that can help you. So just know that you're not in it alone. You don't have to go through it alone. And to always, always keep Christ as the center because he cares about your mental health. He cares about you being mentally well. He cares about you being happy and he wants you to be happy. If you are not happy, 
then we need to get to the bottom of why that is. What is the root cause of the feeling that you have that causes you not to be uh, happy or dissatisfied in life? You know, there's reasons. So I'm just going to close out with prayer, Nikia. Yes. For those who may be dealing with some um, mental health issues or challenges or, you know, in a marriage that is uh, very difficult, God can save your marriage. If God desires to save your marriage, if you desire to save your marriage, God desires to save your marriage. He can do it. You know, but two people two can't people. do by yourself. <laughs> Marriage is two people. So I just want to encourage you. Um, if you believe God, there's nothing too hard for him. So, yeah. you know, everybody, as Nakia said, everybody's situation is different. So I'm going to just pray. Lord God, I just thank you for those who have been on this uh, uh, talk tonight. I pray, Lord God, that they have received something that they need, something to liberate them, something to give them uh, the ability to reach beyond uh, what they felt they could do in the past to actually get some help for their situation. I pray that you would give them the courage to be able to acknowledge where they are at their extremity and may need help. I pray, Lord, for the body of Christ, that we will find ways to minister to those who are in mental distress and, and be okay, even those that may need uh, professional help, that we can also recommend even that without negating the spiritual God. We, we thank you, Lord. The word even says first natural, then spiritual. So we got to attend to this natural man, but the spiritual realm it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit that all things will be accomplished, Lord, for your people. So I pray that the peace of God will come for those that are in tumultuous situations, that you would bring deliverance, Lord God, to those who may be in mental distress, Lord God, that you would give clarity to their minds. They will be able to seek out the help that they need for their life situation. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that something that was said will be healing to someone, that it will open a door for someone to actually get exactly what they need to help them in their situation. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will bind every demonic force, everything that may be a spiritual demonic stronghold, that it will be loosed right now in the name of Jesus, and that, Lord, your Holy Spirit will come in and minister to them, minister them where they need to be built up, and, Lord, where they're torn down, Lord God, strengthen them in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you would send the right people to be able to help those who may not know how to get help on their own. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we just say thank you. We praise you and we appreciate you for the opportunity to minister to your people in this area. And we say thank you, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next episode. I pray wholeness and healing on your journey.